guys. Welcome back to Switch Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm also Jake. And today we're back with another special episode. Today we have NFL agent David Cantor. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? Jake and Jake, I'm excited, man. Thanks for having me. Sorry that I'm driving in my car. Why wasn't this called The Two Jakes? It was an idea. We came up with it like four years ago. So it was always going to be Swish? We were like 11 when we started it, and now we're a little older. I mean, looking back, probably that was the better name choice, but, you know, it's kind of become like our thing. So, Two Jakes is like, I don't know. I like good. it. I feel like it's a $100 million property. Swish podcast, be. maybe $10 million. So, obviously, you're the head of GSC Worldwide Football, one of the biggest NFL sports agencies or agencies that center around football. Is off the bat, just like, how did you get into becoming an agent? Like, what's it like being the head of a full football division at such a big agency? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, becoming an agent has been obviously something that I've done my entire life. Um, I'm 50. I've been doing this for 28 years. This will be my 28th or 29th draft. I can't even remember. I guess that means I'm getting old. But I started my sports agency very, very, very luckily. I went to law school at the University of Miami and met my first client at a gas station. And uh, he ended up being a former Miami Hurricane who was playing for the Miami Dolphins. And we kind of hit it off over a few months, just kind of talking and going out socially. And he became my first client in the NFL. I was doing his marketing. I think he thought I was, you know, really aggressive and honest and, and hardworking. And so he ended up introducing me to a lot of his friends that were players in the Dolphins. And I think by like the end of 96, going into 97, I had like 12 or 14 Dolphins guys just as their marketing agent on a local level. And then I got certified that same year and started recruiting players on my own and really was, was on my own for a long, long time. Um, I had a bad business partnership go down in the early 2000s, you know, before you guys were ever alive. And that kind of set me back about a year. We went from having this big mega agency with a lot of players in the NFL that I was representing to basically going broke and having none of those guys as my client. And then 2002, uh, the agent that kind of did me wrong basically got thrown out of the business for life. And, you know, was very fortunate, uh, was very fortunate. I'm sorry, I'm getting a text message. One second, boys. Um, I was very fortunate to get back in, have a bunch of my veteran guys realize that I was kind of the guy um, that was doing the work and doing the due diligence and, you know, negotiating the deals and really the grinder, so to speak. And was able to really rebuild the whole business from 2002 up until 2021. And then this crazy thing called NIL started. Um, and I, I foresaw the future of just complete anarchy, which is where we are, you know, two years into NIL um, and portal transfers and all this insanity. And I realized like David and Ness and Brian, you know, my two right-hand guys, the left-hand and right-hand, Ness Mugrabi and Brian McIntyre, we, we weren't going to be able to survive and really grow without some funding and some backing. And so I hired a company to put together a package to try to sell us to a bigger conglomerate type agency. And GSC came along. You know, they're, they're obviously incredibly successful in talent marketing, and they were already a top five agency in tennis and golf. And they were interested in me, and I was interested in them. And, you know, two years into it, 
you know, we had a very, very successful draft last year. We're signing guys right now for the draft now. And um, it was absolutely 100% the right decision at the right time. So uh, kind of like when you were growing up, like, was this always something that you wanted to do or like more as you kind of got older, you're like, oh, maybe this is what I want to do. No, I knew very young that I wanted to be a pro baseball player. And very young in baseball, you realize you're not as good um, as some of the other kids, especially with the talent that we had here in South Florida. And I I came to football at a pretty late age. I played younger at like eight, nine, and, and kind of quit it to really go one sport focus on baseball. And, and I think my epiphany was at a Philadelphia Phillies open tryout. I was 15 out of 48 kids. And I was like, eh, can't be 15. You got to be one or two or three. They don't care about number 15. And, you know, I was good. I was good. I was a good enough player. I played baseball and football in college, but I definitely wasn't major league baseball or NFL material. And so I, I really wanted to be a general manager of a baseball team. That was my first passion. Um, and, and way before you kids were born, uh, and I apologize for calling you kids, you young men were born, there was a lockout in Major League Baseball where the owners locked out the players and actually canceled the 1994 World Series. I think it's only the second or third time it's ever happened. The other times it happened because of wars. And I was working for the Florida Marlins at that time, trying to kind of go on my, you know, hey, here's my future general manager path. I was working for a guy by the name of Dave Dombrowski, who, you know, has been a team president, a GM, very successful in Major League Baseball. And he was like, hey, you know, there's no job anymore. There's no baseball. So you can't work for baseball if there's no baseball. We're, we're done. We're shutting the season down. And it really spoiled me um, and, and just – pissed me off is the best way to describe it that they were taking away baseball and they were doing this to the fans and you know the owners how greedy they were and that was when I was like you know what I'm, I'm, I'm old enough now to really understand that this is a business and this is about money and they're willing to cancel the World Series and shut down an entire sport over basically trying to break up the Major League Baseball Players Association Union and so that's why I enrolled in law school and, and started working as a player advocate you know, 25, 28 years ago. So obviously now, if you go more to now, you obviously, you became an agent, you've sort of started up GSC or became the president of the football operations. And now in modern day, you have many top clients in the NFL. So originally, I guess, let's go back. I think it had to be maybe two years ago or when Jalen Waddle and Amon Ra were rookies. So how did that go about signing such valuable young core pieces two years ago for the Dolphins and the Lions or, and then all of a sudden yeah, now so, like top receivers. So those are not my clients. This is very, we're very unique in that way. So Amon Ra and Jalen Waddle and Brian Robinson and a couple other guys like Steve Young and Warren Moon and Bo Jackson, those were talent marketing guys run by Ian Grubman and Russ Spielman. What happened was Ian and Russ wanted to add the on-field compartment of the football division because they had all these really good, really high recognizable, high draft pick Hall of Famers. And so the CEO of GSC, Mike Principi, basically told Russ and Ian, give me a list of your five or six top agents that you think would make sense for us to work with. And I think Russ, I, I don't want to speak for Russ, but I think Russ 
probably flew around the country and met with 40 agents over a one or two year window. And we had talked, we had a very good relationship. I knew them before, uh, obviously Ian being here in South Florida, I'd always respected his marketing acumen and the business that he built um, by himself before he merged with GSE. And there was just a lot of synergies. When I talked to Ness and I talked to Brian, we really liked the way that they approached their business. We were very, very similar mindsets and very, very grinder kind of mentality of, of hardworking. And so they adopted my client roster. And then obviously in turn, their marketing roster is, is under the fold of the football business. But I am not uh, the agents for those two players that you mentioned. They had guys prior to me being a part of GSE. And I actually, I never recruited either of those guys coming out of college. So like, what is it like, you know, getting to go to all these games, you know, and watch your clients play, you know, whether it's a Super Bowl or uh, just like big regular season game, what's that like, you know, going to the games and be able to watch them? You know, it's, it, you know, for young people, it's fun. My, I have a 15 year old son that plays quarterback at one of the top programs in the country. Um, and so for him, it's like geek mode, geek out mode and, you know, geek, be excited about it and being on the sidelines. It's very difficult to tell you this in a real public setting. My least favorite part of my job is going to games. Because it is a long, long day. And it starts at 738 in the morning. You get to the stadium at 10. You're on the field by 1030, glad handing GMs and front office executives. And that's only if you can actually get on the field that early. Some stadiums won't even let you on to 11 or 1130. This is for a one o'clock kickoff, obviously. Then you see your guys for 20 seconds when they run in off their practice field, take a quick picture with them, you know, give them a hug, kiss them, tell them good luck, love you. And then you wait in the parking lot after the game. So you're, you're sitting in the stands for four hours, right? Cold, wet, rainy, whatever, dealing with a bunch of drunk fans that don't know anything about what they're talking about, screaming and yelling at your clients in the ebb and flow of the game. Um, and obviously there's the ups and downs, which is the best part of the sport, the roller coaster of it. Then you're in the parking lot, you're meeting family, saying hugs and kisses, talking about the game. And then you've got to go back home and rewatch all the one o'clock games you missed, Right while also still watching the, the half of the four o'clock games and then the night game. So a typical Sunday for me starts at around 7 a.m. and finishes about 3.30 in the morning. And that's if and only if, this is the craziest part, NFL Plus posts the games. A lot of times they're late or delayed or there's a technological glitch. And so I'm scrounging to get information. I, I'm very weird. In a lot of ways, Jake and Jake, but I'm in obsessively weird at that. I must watch every play of every client every week. And that's 28 years running. I don't miss games. There used to be no way to get every game at once. So I would buy VHS or Betamax tapes, which you guys don't even know what that is. And I would watch taped versions of games. Now there's condensed versions. You know, you can get it without commercials and you can rapidly go through. And now there's playbooks where you can have the box score and know, hey, on third and two, Cody Barton made a tackle for loss. You know, Xavier Howard had an interception. And, you know, we have Twitter and Instagram where there's a lot of highlights. But, you know, when you're representing Mafi, the guard on the New England Patriots, 
there's no highlights listed. You got to go watch tape, right? You got to see his form, how he sunk his hips, what his punch looked like, how he drove his legs. Was he a good run blocker on that play? Did he slide off a little bit and let a guy take advantage of him? So that's complex, right? That's a bigger, more unique part of the business that a lot of regular fans don't really understand. For me, game day is a work day. Game day is all business. It's all ball all day long. And when you're obsessed with watching your clients and seeing how they do, et cetera, et cetera, it makes it more difficult when you're at a game because you miss so much from the rest of the league. Now, Brian McIntyre does an unbelievable job of really scouring the league when I'm at a game or Ness is at a game and giving us, you know, play-by-plays and updates, you know, on, on big things. You know, hey, Tank Dell, 34-yard catch across the middle. Oh, man, it got called back for a penalty, you know, stuff like that. Um but again, you know, you're you're trying to watch, you know, 40, 50 guys in action at once on, on a normal Sunday. That's a that's a lot. So obviously, like you just mentioned, or at least the last player mentioned, Tank Dell, third round pick, Houston Texans, rumors that he got drafted because of CJ Stroud. But how did you go about signing Tank? What do you see in him? Obviously, now he might be top six in offensive rookie of the year voting. I mean, he's been unbelievable. So how do you really go about that? Yeah, I mean, what's happening? Oh, All credit for that goes to Ian Grutman. You know, Ian really identified Tank early on. Uh, We were very lucky that, you know, we had some relationships with the the previous regime at the University of Houston, Dana, who recently just got fired. um, And and Ian and he had a very close relationship. And I think we had four Houston uh, Cougars in the draft this past year. Um, We actually just got heartbroken by not signing one that we really wanted to get in this year's draft. But unfortunately, that's the way the business is. Sometimes moms and dads pick agents for players and, and players have to follow their parents. Uh, and, and we didn't get that player in this situation. But, you know, we I met Tank early on through Ian. I, I thought we had a really good relationship. And Ian was all in all the time on Tank Dell way before me and Ness and Brian. And frankly, to be honest with you, um, and he gets all the credit for that. He recruited him. He stayed on him. You know, we would watch him and, and, you know, you guys watch Tank now, but it is an absolute joy and honor to represent a guy like Tank Dell, Sidney Brown, Chase Brown, Clark Phillips, the new generation of player, you know, uh, uh, Jaden Reed. These guys work their asses off. And uh, my favorite Tank Dell story, and I'm going to, it's the best Tank Dell story I can tell you about him, is I live here in Fort Lauderdale. I've got a big, facility that I built behind my house for my clients. And I'm going to order a cup of coffee while I'm on this zoom. So I apologize, but you're going to listen to my coffee order. It's not very sexy. And I got this house and I built this recovery facility and tank is here training January, February, March. He would never come over to my house because he wanted to do extra work. We said to him after his visits and pro day and combine and senior bowl tank. We want you to go for three days to Mexico, go take a break, go find a girl. If you have one, I don't remember if you had a girlfriend or he does at the time, go to the Bahamas for three nights. We're going to pay for it. Just go get out of the country, sit on a beach. Just don't think about ball. And he refused to do it. He wanted to work with Delfonte diamond. Who's the best route runner coach I've ever been around wide receiver guru you can see him on instagram and he was like i am not taking one day off until i've made it and i'm starting in this league 
And to be frankly honest with you, there is no better way to describe that young man than that. He just works harder than everyone. He's willing to sacrifice the fun and the accolades and the parties and the nightclubs and the girls and the fans because he okay, wants to be the best. Can I get a medium black coffee with two Splenda? That's it. Nope. There you go, guys. David Cantor drinks a medium black hot coffee from Dunkin' Donuts with two Splenda. If uh, Dunkin' Donuts wants to give me a sponsorship, I'll take all the free coffee I can get. So three coffees a day minimum, by the way, guys. Stay stay away from coffee. How old are you guys? 16? 15. I've never had coffee. I've never had a sip of coffee. Don't don't do it. My son's 15 too, by the way. It's great to be talking to two 15-year-olds like uh your grown-ups. This is pretty impressive. I like that your room's messy. I like that you have a hoodie on, Jake. You know, it reminds me of my son Asher. He's like, Dad, I think I want to play football. And I'm like, bro, you can't play football. Like, you suck. Like, you've never played. Like, you know, you're like this little five foot two Jewish kid that's never going to play football. Don't, don't do it. And then the next year he was five eight and now he's six one. And he just worked his dad, he worked his ass off. Like, I, I, it's crazy. I don't know if we'll ever be good, but that's my little humble brag on your podcast that as a dad, I couldn't be more proud that my kid did it on his own. He doesn't, you know, it's not like I'm like, sending him to like Peyton Manning to work with, or Steve Young's coming to the house. He just goes in the backyard and lifts weights and works out and goes to quarterback school and, you know, listens and watches tape and film and studies and is doing everything he can to, to be a starter at it. You know, really top nationally ranked high school program. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, Sports I- for both you guys, or were you both hoopers? Um, I'm baseball. Yeah. Uh, mainly baseball. So Swish just came because it was a cool name. And we both play basketball. Both, I, mean, I mean, yeah, we both play basketball. Credit none of us are actually that great at basketball, but I mean, we played for a while, so okay. you know, it sounds pretty it's good. More of our sport, yeah, yeah. But, you guys are you guys are allowed to. Uh, you're good at podcasts. That's important. How so? How many years ago did you start this? Four years ago? Uh, twenty twenty, like during like right middle of the pandemic, like like maybe early May. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, we and, just kept. And how do you get your guests? You just DM people and just be a pain in the ass. I mean, I'm I'm really good at being a pain in the ass. I've really perfected it. But that's great. Listen, listen. I'm going to tell you the number one key to success in life: be relentless. And if that means people think you're a pain in the ass, you're winning. You're doing something right. I'm telling you that. I I say that I speak to a lot of schools, a lot of kids. I'm very lucky. I've done this for 28 years. I never felt once that I've worked a day in my life. The most Number one way a human being can be successful, not to be the smartest, not to be the best looking, not to be the hardest studying or the highest test scores, be the most relentless asshole you can be. You don't have to be an asshole, but it helps because if you're an asshole, you usually won't take no for an answer and just be relentless. That doesn't mean you have to be mean or rude. You just have to outwork everyone else. That's the, the biggest comment I can say to, about GSE Worldwide, about Ness Mugrabi and Brian McIntyre, is they are absolutely relentless. And they are passionate about success for our clients. That is almost the only thing that matters at GSE is our, is our football clients, are they getting every ounce of our effort, energy, and passion every day? Because if they aren't, they're going to find somebody else that's going to outwork us. And so far, 
There's a reason why we keep growing. There's a reason why we don't get fired by clients. There's a reason why we get so many veteran guys that fire their clients and hire us. It's because we just work our asses off. Is that how you got some players like Tank Lawrence or Zayden Howard? Or you guys always, or you had them from the start? No. So Demarcus Lawrence, I've had, you know, from day one at, out of Boise State. I've had him, you know, since he was this, the second pick of the second round. Um, but Xavier and Howard were his third agents. Yeah. He fired uh, CAA and then Clutch and hired us, you know. So certainly, um, you know, those are things that are important to us to, to constantly be out there, be pushing and, and really be respectful of the other agents that are out there. You know, there's, there's good agents in this business. You know, those two agencies I just mentioned, they're they're good at their job. They're, there's nothing to take away from them. But sometimes players outgrow agents and sometimes the fit isn't right. You know, and, and players don't know that until they're in the building. You know, Xavier's situation is very unique, but we, we've got, I would say, almost half of our client roster, maybe even a little bit more of our 64 guys or 65 guys, depending on what the number is today, are from another agency. So like 30 guys, it's a, it's a pretty heavy number. Let's go down the list. Let's see. Let's see. I don't know if I'm going to go down the whole list. But, yeah, Greg Rousseau is, is not our original client. Xavier oh, Howard's not our original client. Greg Rousseau hasn't been in the league for that long. Yeah, year two. Yeah, year two. Year two. In the um, this, is, this is year three. So this is I'm – his, I'm his, we're actually his third agent, believe it or not. Um, he had a very brief – like a he had an agent for like two weeks that was – you know, just as soon as he got in the building, he realized it was probably a bad fit. Um, Von Bell, not his original agent. Cam Sutton, not his original agent. Cater Kohu, not his original agent. Dwan Smoot, Armand Watts, Braden Fajoko, LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, so a lot of guys. You know, Adam yeah. Gotsis, Demarcus Walker, Marlon Tui Pelotu, Keanu Neal. You know, there's there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's almost too many names on there that are, that were not their original guys. But then you have a year like, you know, the year we had last year where you had Tooley, you had Clark Phillips. You know, you have Jaden Reed, you have Sydney and Chase Brown and Tank Dell, and obviously, you know, piggybacking off the success of Asante Samuel as a second rounder a couple of years earlier. You know, life's good. We're we're working hard, and and you know, we're hoping to have another great draft class. I mean, I saw that Fournette just signed with I think Buffalo practice squad, right? Is that correct? He did. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, they're on I mean, a they're on a bye week. Yeah, I mean, he could definitely get called up. I mean, their running back room isn't top in the NFL he's proved to be a beast at least in Tampa he proved like two what a year or two ago he went to Jaguars so the the key I'm, I'm switching off my uh car to a regular headset because believe it or not agents need haircuts too so I've got to get a haircut here soon but uh you know one of the cool things about Leonard is that's a team that you know it's only a matter of time right as soon as he gets uh and the bills need him to come be playoff Lenny and hopefully obviously they can get to the playoffs. You know that, you know, he'll be ready and he'll be in shape. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if another team tried to poach him off their practice squad, but you know, you never know how that goes down. Well, I mean, this was really everything we really needed. Thank you so, so much for hopping on. We'll all stay in contact. Thank you. Absolutely guys. Best of luck. If I can help in any way, it's been my pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you so much.